Vice Principals premiered on HBO on July 17th, 2016. Let's put 30 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows, but only the pilot episode that means the first show, in case you didn't know. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study episode number 27. My name is Chris Lantina and I'm your host. And I'm joined as always, he's staging a walkout at 2.03 p.m. It's Grimes! Yeah! What's up, man? Nothing, what's up with you? Not much, I'm just excited at this time next week we'll have just gotten done hanging out. I know. That is incredible. That's an incredible thing. If people don't um, understand, you live in North Carolina. I live in Pennsylvania. We rarely ever see each other, but next week we are gathering for my wedding. You are one of my groomsmen. Yes, sir. Honored I, to be. I expect you to cause trouble on the scale of vice principals at the <laughs> wedding of some, you know, in some way. I don't know. Just surprise me with the chaos. I have some chaos planned, and you will most likely not be a bit surprised. <laughs> um, so today we are talking Vice Principals. Uh, this show premiered, of course, as I said before, on July 17th on HBO. It's a half-hour comedy starring the likes of Danny McBride, directed by Jody Hill, who was, of course, the team behind Eastbound and Down. And I believe that was episode 23 or 24 we did, right? No, yeah, relatively 20, recent. 24 was lost, so it was like in the 20s. Um, but of course, it was last season, so it was a while ago timeline-wise. Um, but uh, obviously, the same team behind Eastbound and Down, same network. They bring in Walton Goggins um, from Justified, and most recently, and a little more comedic, The Hateful Eight. Um, I have a few notes on this show that I picked up uh, from an interview with McBride, some things I did not know. So they ended Eastbound in 2013, and they spent all of 2014 writing this show. Uh, they had the writer's room hmm. open for a year. They wrote all 18 episodes before they shot anything. Um, there's only 18 episodes, two seasons. They're done. They've already said it's only two seasons. And they spent all of last year shooting everything. So... They're done. They've got all the episodes <laughs> done. And now it's just kind of the slow leak of them. It's almost like they like went the Netflix route in terms of like production, but they're right. not on Netflix. Well, yeah, I mean these dinosaurs, even HBO for how cutting edge it is in some areas, they have to adapt and do things like this if they want to attract top talent that could, you know, easily go to Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Yeah, so I mean, I think what you're saying is that they have to adapt like the production techniques. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to be more like Netflix, or else why wouldn't you just go be like, I'll to go do whatever I want then? Yeah. So they get they do this all in a year. They're done, and now all they really have to do is promote this show at the beginning of the first <coughs> season, the beginning of the second season. I would assume like the finales, they they might appear on talk shows. But other than that, like Danny McBride can go do the new Alien movie now, and kind of be done with vice principals for a while which is uh -huh. which is kind of a neat thing so the first nine episodes um it's it's all one school year the entire series the first nine episodes are the fall semester and the back nine are the spring semester 
Um, which again, I thought was really interesting. Like everything's very, this seems like a very, very structured approach as opposed to what they did with Eastbound. I don't know what the background was on that show, but this seems very structured for a TV show. Yeah, definitely. Like certainly the production, um, the Bill Murray thing, there was a lot of talk of Bill Murray on this, (laughs) um, in this interview. And uh, I'll just read his quote because it is quite funny. He talked us into coming here, that being Charleston, where they filmed it. It, The least we can do is talk him into coming up on the show. So McBride sent him an email asking if he'd be interested in checking out the script. And Murray wrote back in a very very Bill Murray fashion, I would be very interested in checking this out. Please deliver a hard copy to the Charleston River Dogs baseball game tomorrow night. I will leave six tickets at the box office for you. So they go to the game. They brought the script. And then the next day they send an email saying, or Murray sends an email saying, I would be honored to play Principal (laughs) (laughs) What's-His-Name. So that's how Bill Murray comes into the show. And basically in like a cameo type of thing. Yeah, you know, the first thing I thought when I saw Bill Murray was that I still haven't reached, you know, there will be a point of saturation with the Bill Murray, I think maybe, unless he unfortunately would die young. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I haven't reached it with him. I love seeing him every time, everywhere, in any context. But I think I have reached a point of McBride saturation in this type of role for now. Yeah, l- let's talk about that because he's basically playing a, I guess I would call it a more civilized version of Kenny Powers and a less mature, but a more civilized and why I'm describing him that way is because I think, like, at the crux of why this pilot totally doesn't work for me, there's a couple reasons, but I think the crux of it is there's, like, a sadness to Kenny Powers. And I think we talked about this on the Eastbound pod, that despite the facade, he, he knows that he's, like, a generally sad person. Mm-hmm. It's like he displays it outward. He cries in the first episode of Eastbound and Down. Like it's there for us to see. But here with Gamby, you get like the answering machine moment where he's obviously being hounded by Bill people. Yet he seems completely oblivious to the fact that he's an asshole and he's oblivious to his inability to communicate with like other human beings. Like Kenny Powers knew he was a dick and he was outwardly sad because he he kind of realized his shortcomings both obviously on the baseball field and on like an emotional level this guy just seems oblivious to to like how much of an idiot he is right right yeah he reminds me kind of you know you brought up kenny powers which is the obvious um parallel to draw but yeah it's like if kenny had committed to staying at the teaching job instead of trying to get back in the majors and just wanted to get really good at being this asshole like tea party divorced loser (laughs) that like you know is tough on crime and takes it out on high school kids because that was like when he peaked and just decided to stay and i just think yeah you know mcbride and hill they've been together for a long time but if you watch foot fist way and then you know his character in pineapple express this character and kenny powers they all have that clueless asshole but you forgive him because he's funny kind of thing but in this show like you're right all he had forgiving he had he had forgiving um character traits and all in the other ones but not this like why are we rooting for gamby in any way i think because it's danny mcbride i think that's the only reason you know 
that's the only reason, but he's like a sad sack for all intents and purposes. Like, <sighs> I think the only, you know, giving away the kind of the plot of the show right. and the pilot overall, the only redemption you do get is that he teams up with um, Lee, who is played by Goggins, um, and they do then have this mutual enemy. So then you will get like the funny pranks, and he'll bring like the kind of asshole side to um, Lee's more like the liberal, cool hipster, probably comes from the English department. <laughs> you know, he's right. like, you know, they'll, the team, yeah. I think, will make um, McBride's character, Gamby, more sympathetic. But yeah, going in, you're like, oh my God, another fucking Danny McBride production. Not that it's bad, but like the fourth, fifth time, it's like, dude, we know you have range. Like, well, so I think that's where it'll come in. In this show, he, he is a sad sack, yet he tries so, so hard to defend himself against, against like, that inner nature that he has. Like, he tries so, so hard to paint himself as anybody other than the person all the teachers hate, right? And coupled that with the fact that he gives in so quick to belinda brown like when she punishes him at the end <laughs> right, right. Start, he like he totally pussies out and is like yeah i'll do like early driver's ed duty or whatever i i just don't know why we're rooting for him like and why does he why does he deserve this job there's like no part in the show where they show him being good at being a vice principal right and i think you know the the one sort of empathetic point with me was that you know this excuse me, this man defines his life by this career. And so sure. if if you're a fan of sad boys or you know that your job sucks and you want power, you could or if you are an office fan and your favorite character was Dwight, then yeah. you'll like this right away. But yeah, I, I really think the liking him is gonna come But even in the office, like if we're going to use the office as an example, Dwight is worth rooting for, like in terms of gaining power, because he's good at his job. Like, right, he does have that going for him. By the second season, you see that he's like won the salesman of the year thing. But before that, they show him like doing his job and doing it pretty well. Like, I think it's um, the first season where Jim has like that little bottle of like celebration liquor, and like. he basically makes one big sale like all every year, like this one huge sale that's like twenty five percent of his commissions, and he has like this little bottle to celebrate, and Dwight steals the sale from him basically. <laughs> so we should we see Dwight being good at his job even in the first season. Like this guy, they they needed a scene where like he pulls a kid aside and it's not like overly cheesy, but he just like helps a student in some way. Instead, we get a scene where he like convinces this <laughs> convinces this student that he's going to get like prison raped right. in, <laughs> in in school in uh, in school suspension. So I mean like they go like the complete opposite direction of what I I think they they kind of needed to make him a sympathetic character yeah i kind of inferred that he was good at his job almost too good like he was too much of a stickler um right for the rules and the power the minuscule amount of power that he does have completely goes to his head to where yeah he's like telling students like saying shut the fuck up and you're gonna get <laughs> killed and like so i thought maybe yeah he's good at his job in that he's like the hard-ass hall monitor like kid that you know asks the teacher for more homework right yeah that's i maybe that's like the but i, su- know, I suppose i have to put that that scene into my argument and that um 
like he brings those three students in and he is like a stickler for the rules and, and they play it up like he has experience being like the rule guy right the, i suppose the heavy. yeah i i have to consider him the heavy in this situation also everybody hates him right so you know i think like we're at the right part in the story plot wise like i think we've we because we've talked about pilots before that we just don't it just doesn't feel like we're at the right like spot plot wise but i think we are here for the story to start in an effective manner but i don't think we're at the right spot like character wise like i don't know does that make sense to you like it like him in particular nobody likes him he's an asshole to everybody they don't show him being like super good at his job so again why does he deserve the vice principal spot which drives this entire plot him feeling as if he deserves the job yeah i don't know they don't that's one thing they don't really go too hard on but i think what will happen and you know we i like to play this game kind of with all of our pilots that i know nothing about i just wildly speculate but right. I think what will happen is since he will do anything to get the job, when these guys team up, you know he's still going to be trying to backstab them, so that'll be kind of funny. And mm -hmm. you'll start to develop. I think the daughter is going to, they're going to try to milk that for some sympathy points. They did kind of, but first he was an asshole to her. Right. And they <laughs> had that awkward, like, shirt moment where she was out there with a bunch of boys, and he's like, Boys, I don't know. Boys that look like they were 18 compared to her, like, 12. It was, like... It was really overplayed. It was, it was a little creepy. Okay, so a question about that team-up. So we have Walt, Walton Goggins and... Uh, which I always thought his name was Walter Goggins. But Me it, too, until I looked Walton it up today. And um, Danny McBride's character, Gamby, basically coming together to team up and take down the new principal that was hired ahead of them. They were the two vice principals. I guess we haven't really talked to the plot. They right. were they were the two vice principals. They were vying for the principal job who was Bill Murray and whose wife was is sick, so he's leaving. And they bring in this ringer from the outside who this doctor, um, Belinda Brown, who comes in, takes the job from them and neither of them get it. So they team up to take her down at the end. Did you feel like the, t the okay? So why did Goggins throw him under the bus and give him like five ten a.m. driver's ed duty if they were gonna team up? Like it feels like they like hated each other with a passion and were like really fucking with each other, and then at the end the team up just kind of came out of nowhere, like like a bad superhero movie where like the two bad guys who had separate storylines then come together to fight like the hero but yeah they, it's really clumsy like it felt like that kind of moment it was forced um and i thought what was going to happen because goggins was a main character was that when he was walking across that street i thought a semi was going to come and kill him <laughs> in the pilot that, i kind of thought that too like they they really had that like the shot selection like would allow the vehicle to come in and kind of have a moment before it hit him. And then he wouldn't die, so then McBride would have to get... You know, he'd have, like, this sympathy coming back from <laughs> to work from this accident. And, I thought it was going to be, like, a psycho thing where they bring yeah. this big actor in and then they wipe him out. Right, but then I'm, I was kind of glad it wasn't. But, yeah, they forced the team up there with the new principal being hired out of nowhere, kind of. Excuse me, would that really happen? Hard to say. Um, I I, th I think I could see that happening, hiring somebody from the outside, especially with these two guys who think they're way better at their job than they really are. Um, why do they both have jobs? Like, how? That's what I always wonder. Like, we've talked about many pilots where, you know, like an Aziz show where everyone's an actor or a millionaire or unrelatable, but 
I, what what's unrelatable to me is if I acted like anything close to this at work, telling a kid to go fuck himself. <laughs> like, how long are you going to be the vice principal at a high school when you know you just have no personal boundaries? I, it just seems odd. I know, obviously, like it's TV, but there might be there might be a few complaints about their conduct, but uh, it being a comedy, I think we can right. let we'll we'll let both overlook it. Definitely, but I'm just saying. I'm like, saying, like, within the context of the show, like, they're pretty damn hostile to each other, like, right out of the gate. Yes. There's no progression throughout the episode that sees them warming to each other. Actually, they get worse. Like, they hate each other more and more and more, and then at the end, they're like, hey, let's team up. rest of the series, they're going to be kind of growing together, I, I guess. I mean, Reluctant I, I, buddy comedy kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, this reluctant buddy comedy. Like, I feel like that was an episode three or four development. Yeah, we did. I guess I know what you mean now. We, we did get dropped in um, at a good story point, but definitely these guys, like, we needed a little bit of background, maybe. They just, they didn't need to team up at the very end of this pilot. They just needed right. to continue on this, like, down. They needed to take this battle, like, really really down in the depths over the first two episodes and then like when they're at their lowest right like when their shit against each other affects them job wise then they needed to come together and basically do the team up that they rushed into so let's let's go into some random notes now that we've kind of got the big plot development stuff um so the wife on stage moment (laughs) is probably, yeah. probably the funniest part of the show that's a that was a bill murray suggestion by the way that was his idea to have the wife up there uh that was probably my favorite part of the episode just so bill murray's wife has cancer uh skin cancer i believe terminal uh, though right yeah I, I, i'm pretty sure it's skin cancer because they say something about spf right and so they're doing like this ceremony for him as he's leaving at the school and she's on stage with him, basically a corpse at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's like the kind of humor that like McBride and Hill are best at. This cringeworthy humor that doesn't dip too far into like the British office style where I, I literally have to look away. Yeah. Like, yeah, they start in the cringy spot, but then they kind of like they take that moment and build to their to their type of humor from it like right because of course mcbride interrupts it and yells at these students and that's not really cringe to me that's like because you're dropping f-bombs and like you, you have these broad elements that you incorporate into cringe that i think they do really well yeah and i wrote down one of my random notes that's related is i wrote mcbrideisms and i tried to keep like a tally of things <laughs> that he kind of does and I, yeah. I got six okay what what are, what are the mcbrideisms well like cringing yeah okay so cringe stuff cringe. there were two of those i don't remember specifics i just kind of kept a tally on my pet on my paper here um but that was a specific one another one is um like how he overreacts like he'll go from zero to screaming in someone's face and then back to he's like a nirvana of comedy right he's like loud quiet you know loud again he did that you know every couple minutes well he certainly has a style and they're not they're not going away from it in any in any discernible way um let's talk about some of the supporting characters I, i think they really they really built a pretty strong cast here um is it busy phillips 
think. Yes, who was known from Cougar Town, a yep. Courtney Cox project. Yeah, Cougar Town earlier, Freaks and Geeks, she was kind of the girl bully. Yeah, yeah, she was like the cool chick who dated Franco. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she makes the appearance as the ex-wife, and it seems like she's going to be a main character, which I really dig. I think that she is certainly someone that needs more screen time and any projects we can get her in. Uh, yep. The husband, the new husband of her, is a guy named Shay Wiggum. And what I found is that he was in Wolf of Wall Street. He was one of the FBI agents. Oh, but wow. He's, he's like a pretty steady character actor that looks like he's he might be the breakout of the show. Like, he's he's had some really good moments already just in he's the first very 30 funny. minutes. Very he's great. Funny. He's great. I've never seen him in a comedy before. And also, another one that I thought was really good was this Deshaun character. Yes. Who, who is like the cafeteria worker. I thought he was the a helper at school. He, I thought he was a big-time standout. Definitely. Those two for sure um, stood out. I took notes on them. You've got the uh, the cool guy who is really nice to um, Gamby, but he happens to be, you know, dating or married to. It's not really clear, is it, what their relationship is, but I, he's with the ex. Yeah, he's with the ex, so he, and he's like over the twist on this. He's so nice to him. Yeah, the twist on the relationship is that there's no animosity from his end. It's all from Gamby's. He's like very, very nice, and he wears fox clothing. Like, he's, he looks like he has like three four-wheelers. But that's kind of like another thing, not necessarily a McBride-ism, but a common thing is that main characters shit on like <laughs> mercilessly will shit on a one or two side characters for yeah. no reason like somebody who just doesn't deserve it um and every show has it now like charlie and sunny is a good example um i just watched a little video about this so it's fresh in my mind i forget the video i'd give credit but um yeah you know this guy just mcbride's character just shits on this new guy. you know in real life you'd be so desperate for friends but what's more pathetic, being friends with your ex's new dude or, you know. Hating on him. Hating on no him for reason. no reason. I'm not sure. what. There's no sympathy to mine either way there, really. Well, Ray's a good character, um, and I hope they I hope they continue to involve him. Yes, um, you know, somebody described, like, Jody Hill and McBride's kind of brand of comedy as, like, Woody Allen for Flyover America. I think it was on the Watch podcast, if anybody listens to that. And I think... It's I think about that, perfect. Yeah, I think that is a very apt comparison. Like, I would assume this is, like, because Goggins really carries himself as, like, the southern gentleman with, like, his bow tie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very nice choice to have Goggins rock the bow tie for about the first half of the episode. And... um I almost said Kenny and uh, Gamby go with the straight gray tie. I think, I think it was gray, but it was definitely straight um, for that first half. And then, if you notice, as they team up, Goggins switches back to the straight tie at the very end. So I think the ties are just kind of like a nice little fashion choice they made um, to kind of show where these characters stand. Um, I had some other good notes here. I like when. He's talking to this other teacher, this young female teacher that he kind of kind of crushes on. And when they're done with the conversation, he doesn't end it. He just puts his computer up, like the, uh, la- yeah, yeah. <laughs> the laptop screen. I, I love that moment. I really liked like the marching band interlude music and how they really leaned into like the school setting. Like um, I think they a lot- used the setting well, and like you said, right. costumes were also like. A character. I know people like to say that, but it was well, true. They were because I mean, he's rocking the, yeah, the yep. vice principal vest. 
which I thought was another really nice touch. Like and that, probably very real. Pro- probably very real. Uh, let's see, what else did I got? Oh, there's a, probably the best shot in the episode, just from a purely artistic standpoint, is he comes into his apartment that first time. Not the one where he gets surprised by the father and daughter, but the first time when he's alone, and it's just this nice static shot on basically his empty room with the boxes, um, yep. the, the answering machine going off him jumping in and out of scene. I thought that was a really nice moment. And another one that I wanted to highlight was when he pulls up to the principal spot and takes the seat because he thinks he's going to get hired for to be the principal in this show yeah, at the end. Yeah, his car. There's like this crazy cool like 80 synth um, cue that comes in. It almost sounds like a John Carpenter movie or something, like something out of that um, that new show Stranger Things. It would fit in more with that setting. But it was just like a shock to find it in this show, and it just kind of shocked me in a good way. That moment, and then when he get when he has to get out of the chair, they kind of bring it back, um, kind of that style in a way. So I thought that that was probably the most daring choice in the episode, and the one that really stuck out to me because it was something different, right? Than, yeah. Than what I expected out of this partnership. <laughs> Any other random moments you want to highlight? Well, I like the um, anytime in movies or TV when you break the fourth wall of the teacher's lounge and you get in there, you kind of see the mystique. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember as a kid in my high school, the teachers would still smoke cigarettes in there and you could just smell it wafting out between classes. And I was always just like, if they're smoking in there, what else are they doing? You know, like, <laughs> are they talking about us? Which, you know, definitely happens because we've both been on the other side of that as well. Yeah, there's a lot of talk, I'm sure, about that. Yeah, and I just remember when I finally like got my first job in a school and I went in the teacher's lounge for the first few days, I felt so like an imposter. It was so weird. But I like that they set a confrontation scene between the two vice principals in the, in that um, yeah, in, in set. that setting, yeah. Uh, there's a, one line, the superintendent, I think, is talking about his wife or something. And I think it's Gam- I think it's uh, McBride that goes so smart. Your wife rules. <laughs> they're like so, they're so eager to compliment like people in authority positions that they'll they'll come up with like anything to like compliment them. I think that's probably some of the most creative writing on this uh, show is just the compliments. Like not even the insults. I feel like they could do those insults in their sleep. I just love yeah. when, when like the characters are overly positive. Um, the line and I'm pretty affirmative. I know how she got in to Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah, that McBride plays like the racist like that so well because he's from this state. So yeah, it's just like the subtle but not subtle at all. Yeah, like he's, yeah. the character is trying to be subtle, but it's just such an obvious um, reference that he loses all subtlety immediately. I love that moment. Um, the line "Big boys will come in, put a textbook in your mouth." <laughs> what he's talking about, like the prison. Um, type atmosphere of in school of in suspension. school yeah what, did you ever get suspended from school i did i got suspended in, in ninth in, grade in school or out of school i had both actually oh, shit. um in ninth grade i got out of school suspension ironically for skipping school too much mm. um and then in 12th grade i got in school for an entire week because i had alcohol like on school grounds Wow. What, so um, tell us the situation about the alcohol in school grounds. Well, it was the first Friday night home football game, and I wanted to get the party started a little early. Of course. 
And so I had brought some um, adult beverages in my backpack to distribute <laughs> amongst my friends so that immediately after school, we could go in the woods there, buy the school, get drunk a little bit, and then come back in for the game a few hours later. And, of course, word spreads through high school, like, yeah. faster than TMZ. And I got caught by, like, lunch. By, you know, noon, I was already busted. So it just escalated from there to the point where, yeah, I had to sit in there for a whole week, and it was bad. What is what is in-school suspension like? Are you doing your... Because I, I was never <laughs> suspended. I was a goody-two-shoes type of student. So are you just sitting there all day? Yeah, I mean, for me, I was in there with a man who was, like, not a teacher, but, like, probably going to college to be a teacher or something. And he was, like, the attendant, and you have a desk. You're almost like in a one-man cu- or a one-person cubicle, and you have no window, nothing, and your your stack of books for all your classes are there, and you just go through. So, like, when the bell rings for first period end, you bust out your second period book, and there's like an assignment. You really don't talk. It is like solitary confinement. And looking back, that is a pretty fucked up way to like treat a 17 year old human. Yeah. Um. But they were, you know, I was. Like, I, you know, not to get too far off track, because we're already, I think, longer than the show episode. But, yeah, we're like a minute over. We're good. Um, I think it helped me, because I was in there by myself with this guy, and he, like, I remember he showed me, because I was, like, very fat by this point in my senior year, and um, he showed me, like, a Men's House magazine. He told me, like, eat a turkey sandwich and shit like that, so... <laughs> what the hell? He was, like, trying to rehabilitate... It felt very much like fucking... I was trying to be rehabilitated or something, and it was... Wow. It was very weird when I look back, and I was thinking about high school, obviously, watching this pilot, and it brings back a lot of... We just... At this point, you only remember the really happy times or the just really weird shit. Yeah. No, There's just, a lot. That's true, Yeah. And if you had um, Gamby as your vice principal, I feel like there'd be a lot of weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of weird shit in this show. I feel like the only way this show can go is just really dark. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I just I don't see a journey in this program that is not like infused with dark humor to its fucking core. And I think that's what we're going to get. I just hope that at some point we get a reason to root for McBride. Like, Kenny Powers, you can root for. Like, as bad as he is, there's something there. Like, him crying in his bed at night. Him, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember more examples from the pilot, but just him kind of being, like, just pushed around by, I was going to say the system, but I'm not going to rail against the man. Just various huh. various forces that are trying to keep this obviously ambitious but asshole of a dude down. Like this Gamby guy, this you can't root for him right now. And I, I hope that, that I hope that changes. I'm I'll I'll watch three or four episodes to see how this works out. And just for Goggins, he's so amazing in this show. Like I know we haven't talked about him, but he's he's incredible. Um, in what he's asked to do. Are you? Is this something that you're going to keep watching? It is. I mean, I think just because it's HBO, it's McBride, who, you know, I know I've said some... It's a half hour. Right. It's a half hour yeah. a week. It's McBride. I'm, I'm into it. I like, just to reiterate your point a little bit, I think with Powers, we you get a redemption story, which everyone... You saw him as a World Series champ, and then his downfall, right. and you kind of want to see him. At, we never saw this dude at the top of shit, really. Um, yeah, so when he's knocked down... He's not building back up to anything that right. he previously held. Like he doesn't even know how it feels to be the principal. Like if he was like, 
the interim principal for like two weeks and things right. things were going like imagine if he was interim principal for two weeks things are going great like they show things going great on screen and then he gets and then they hire somebody else like exactly that's it that's your plot and then again not to beat a dead horse but that's another dwight Schrute um parallel that i drew is because he did finally get to be manager for a little bit and then he shot the gun off in the office and he lost it right away <laughs> Right. Um, so you right. did get to see, you know, oh, Dwight's made some changes, blah, 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 a few weeks or months or whatever went by. But anyways, yes, I will watch this. I will stick with it because it's a summer thing. It's HBO. What else am I going to do? And, yeah, you have, you know, we're in the blessed era of television where you get real actors like Goggins and McBride, who is, I don't know he's, if you call him a movie star, now. but he's like a movie star character actor for sure. He's he's gonna be in in five years. He will be one of our most steady character actors. I really believe that. Like yeah. another John C. Riley, I think. Uh, I think I think he has less. Because um, I was just listening to that w, to that WTF with Which Riley. Which was fucking rough, by the way. <laughs> he's, Jesus, he, that was a rough interview for uh, Marin. But anyways, Sorry. Riley has like theater like pure theater talent i think mcbride more has pure directing talent because he's writing yeah yeah he did go to school he did go to directing school and he directed i believe the third episode of this season so he might he might contribute in more behind the camera type of ways but i think yeah they're similar talent level um i had uh one more thing oh so i did want to mention that we kind of selected this one to be to be one of our early episodes because we thought this was going to be like a big summer premiere. And I think it like surprisingly has been swallowed up by other competition. Like this stranger things show on Netflix has just dropped out of relatively nowhere. Netflix didn't really push this one too hard and it's really dominated the whole week that vice principals premiered. And I mean, Mr. Robot we knew would be strong and that's kind of growing in stature. But like, I think Stranger Things coming out the same week really swallowed up Vice Principal's whole. And I'm surprised it's not getting like as much run just like out there in conversation as as it probably deserves because it's still a pretty solid comedy, like all things considered. Yeah, you know, HBO is awesome and and, and uh, a pioneering innovator in comedy. There's no denying that. But it is weird that they always, like, they'll let comedians do anything. I look at Curb as an example, among other things. But they always put them in the summer. So, like, how the hell is anyone supposed to know? And, you know, we have this election stuff and these conventions and all this other shit happening, too. Mm-hmm. Along with other TV shows that, yeah, just, you never know what's going to be popular or not. Summer's kind of all over the place for that reason networks are a little more adventurous just to see if anything sticks I was but for just, hbo which is like a subscription network and it's summer this is kind of yeah it got buried i just I, I i don't think they expected stranger things to hit this hard like oh. it's it's kind of like a sensation right now in terms of like the heavy tv watching public i've got a couple reviews here and then we'll wrap up so the av club said there isn't the same existential weight that elevated eastbound and down which is certainly something we were talking about making it more than just a crude comedy at this point i'd say what we're watching is just a crude comedy but there's also a benefit to the lower stakes the relatively straightforward low-key vibe of vice principals gives the show's two strongest assets danny mcbride and walton goggins room to really lean into their respective shticks and ew says dr brown is a black woman gamby and russell both different flavors of impotent white dudeness the show doesn't quite call attention to this, but it, it carefully tracks the deep cultural frustration both men feel personally and professionally. 
I thought that was a really good observation as well. Yeah, we kind of called all that stuff, so that's yeah. good. We're, yeah. we're right on track with the critics. And uh, Goggins, in particular, he talk, uh, McBride talked about Goggins. He said, these proper southern gentlemen who wear bow ties, that seemed like the type of character to hide a diabolical bastard. He got that. So mm, I, I thought that exactly. was... Apparently, he called McBride after getting the script in, on the phone. or like He called him in character as like this this uh russell guy so <laughs> i thought that was good um and this, the song at the end was beach boys be true to your school yeah. yeah that was a good a good addition as well well the heist one thing's for sure i would not last in high school today i would get eaten <laughs> alive I, it's not a time to be poor i mean back in the day when the internet was kind of new and nobody had mastered you know knowing everything about you and no, your broke ass family no one had mastered cyberbullying. Right, you could just deal with the regular traditional bullies in the normal way, like try to develop a defense mechanism, like a sense of humor, love of TV. I Um, I I hope there is an episode where those two idiots have to deal with some case of like cyberbullying, and they have to like set up some kind like a Facebook account or you know I feel like that's a that's worthy of like an episode set in high school. I, th- I think they need to incorporate that. All right, uh, let's wrap it up. Cool. This has been Pilot Study, episode number 27. Of course, a big thanks to Grimes for joining me today. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thanks, everyone. Um, thank you, sir. God bless this week as you go through your journey. and I, um, <laughs> It'll be fun to hang out. But anyways, follow me on Twitter. The more important thing, follow of me course. on Twitter. At underscore Grimes John. Instagram Grimes John. Holla at you, boy. And um, at Pilot Study Pod, if you are interested in podcast-related content. Podcast-related content, including live tweeting the episodes <laughs> that we are watching, which we, which we've been doing and will continue doing, and uh, just some other random TV uh, observations throughout the week. We both have the password, so you might get shit from both of us. Who knows? What and I'll try th- to remember to sign the ones from me just so that Modern Vinyl doesn't get sued. <laughs> I'll take the heat if I like actually like libel or slander anyone. I think you're good. You can find this podcast along with all the other Modern Vinyl shows over at modern-vinyl.com. Uh, you can also, of course, follow us on Twitter at Pilot Study Pod and email us at pilotstudypod at gmail.com. If you want to send a show suggestion, please do. And we will be sure to give you credit if we if we actually do that show. Next week, we are starting a theme month. I'm very, very excited about it. We'll reveal all when that episode hits. But we, of course, will leave you with a clip from that episode right now. These are some really great items, Sandra. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Sandra, explain something. You seem to be very health conscious, yet every day you nuke yourself in order to attain an unnatural tan. You're one of those people who thinks that tanning causes cancer, right? (laughs) Oh, you mean one of those smart people? (laughs) So, so, what does cause cancer, Sandra? Lotion. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Think about it, everyone who tans uses lotion. And that's the premise behind pilot study.